go, yes, we roll. Say it's 360 degrees. High, high, 360 degrees. High, high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. High, high. Good evening and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by apprentices of the First Voice Media Apprenticeship Program. I'm your host, Sakia G.E.K. Park. And I'm your host, Joy Moore. Tonight's show is all about mental health. And not just about the problems around mental health, but we're going to be looking at some possible solutions as well. And we will hear from Dr. Dorothea Duval and Colette Winlock, and they're here in the studios, KPFA. We'll talk about mental illness in the African-American community. And we'll learn about the impact mental health has on the African-American community and families. And we'll have call-ins from our listening audience. Stay tuned. Again, welcome to Full Circle, a show produced, engineered, and hosted by apprentices of the First Voice Media Apprenticeship Program. Tonight, we look at mental illness from an African-American perspective. 13.2% of the U.S. population, or roughly 42 million people, identify themselves as African American, according to 2013 U.S. Census Bureau numbers. Historical diversity, which includes slavery, sharecropping, and race-based exclusion from health, educational, social, and economic resources, translate into socioeconomic disparities experienced by African Americans today. Socioeconomic status, in turn, is linked to mental health. People who are impoverished, homeless, poorly educated, incarcerated, or have substance abuse program problems are at a higher risk for poor mental health. And notwithstanding the 2008 election of our first African-American president, racism continues to have an impact on the mental health of African-Americans. There are many social, economic, and cultural barriers that prevent African-Americans from seeking and receiving help with their mental health. Tonight, we are joined by two mental health professionals to discuss the trends and how we can change them. To discuss this, we are now joined by our first guest, Dorethea Duval, Ph.D., MFT. She is the Director of Counseling and Psychological Services Center at San Francisco State University. She is also a member of the African American Mental Health Steering Committee through Alameda County Behavioral Health, board member of Priority Africa Network, and a therapist in private practice in Oakland. In addition, Dr. Dorothea Duval is the mother of one adult daughter and two grandchildren. 
Her hobbies are dancing, visual arts, reading, and being a grandmother, friend, and a caregiver for her 89-year-old mother. Dr. Doritia Deval, welcome to Full Circle. Oh, thank you, Zakia and Joy, for inviting me. <laughs> I got to disclaim, I've been knowing Doritia for a long time. I did not know her hobbies were dancing and visual arts. Thank you for that. I forgot to tell you she was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dr. Dereesia. Uh, I don't know why you didn't know. We danced all through Africa. Uh, but yeah, but I didn't know it was your hobby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dr. D- I mean, Dereesia. D- uh, D- Dr. Duval is Counseling and Psychological Services Center. Oh, she's the director of it. At San Francisco State, as we said earlier. Um and are, do you think African-American students experience more problems, mental health problems, um, than other students? Well, I think African-American students have a lot of stress, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and they, have, they have different kinds of problems than other students, and, or the same problems. It may be more stressful because oftentimes African-American students come to school with um, a lot of other issues. They don't have some, a lot of times they don't have the luxury to come, just come to school. They work, sometimes they raise families um, or they're caregiving parents and younger brothers and sisters. And as we know, African-Americans can have, um, can be socially, uh, can be economically strapped. So when they come to school, they have to, um, also, that's a stressor for them in terms of paying for school, in terms of maintaining and care for their own lifestyles while they go to school. Mm-hmm. So that's um, stress. So, yeah, I think they do have a lot of stress and they manage a lot of their stress, too. There's only one thing that I did want to add in your introduction. African-Americans um, from a low socioeconomic and working class also has stress, but there's also stress for being successful in African-American. So we don't want to forget that just because one is economically secure or rich or whatever, that being black in America is not stressful. Mm. So, and I think we tie mental health issues oftentimes to socioeconomics, and that's not always the case. It is just stressful being black in America. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. So I would like to ask you, Dr. Dorothea, Dorothea, (laughs) (laughs) um, what are some of the mental health issues that African-Americans are actually dealing with? Well, um, one of the major issues, and I think Colette will co-sign with me, is depression is a large issue. Um, Trauma is a large issue. Um, Racism, institutional racism, um, out bigotry, those are issues that African Americans deal with. Sexism, homophobia, you know, um, religiousism, uh, all of those isms <laughs> are, you know, they can become very stressful and they can cause people to have, um, you know, mental health issues as a result of trying to manage and and juggle all of those balls in in, in the air. 
And so we would say that, you know, the usual things that, that people suffer from, from schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, depression, as mm-hmm. I said, anxiety, all of those, those are all human conditions. Mm-hmm. And African-Americans being humans suffer from all of those human conditions. But I think what you're trying to get at is what are the particular life stressors that Mm -hmm. we as African-Americans suffer from that might compound Mm -hmm. all of those issues that that human beings experience, and that is um, life in this culture. And it's stressful when you're trying to make ends meet and you don't have enough resources to make ends meet. And the stress of dealing with those systems like the um, the lack of compassion and respect that people suffer when they go to the welfare office or when they go to the medical office or when they have to depend on when they go into criminal justice systems, when they have to when they're victimized by, they can be victimized by those systems. So it's the same, that, that's a stressor that people have. But also when you go to your job and you may be <laughs> the only African-American or one of few African-Americans on your job and or else you are the person who's in charge, uh, you're, you're, you're high up in your position, those are stressors too because the same kind of institutional racism, stereotypes and... And assumptions about your competency, your um, also erode your sense of self-esteem. Mm. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter where you are on the income scale. It is just very difficult to live in an institutionally racist society that has assumptions about people's uh, reality and about who they are and trying to survive. Yeah, that's very. I just wanted to to say that, and just walking down the street, getting on the bus, on the subway, I remember um, many years ago that you know I'm walking down the street and I'm passing uh, a white person, and they grab their pu- their purse, like I'm gonna take their purse or something. Mm-hmm. And many many people say, you know, on the on the train and on the bus, that they're sitting. There's a seat. There's a seat available next to them, mm-hmm. and people just pass them by. White people just pass them by. They don't want to sit next to them. Well, I think you should put your purse on the seat. Then <laughs> I don't want them to sit next to me anyway. I'm like, I so, ain't trying to get sit next. Yeah, it gives no, you more but, room, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I so, always grab my purse, and white people get in the elevator. <laughs> I started doing that after that incident with me. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's so it's. Uh, but we're joking about it. But, but um, it's it's, 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 it's a part real. Of the, it it makes you question your your reality and question mm-hmm. who you are as a person and and I think that's one of the things that as we go on and talking about solutions that we will address on how you how to not make someone else the subject of your reality mm-hmm. how to make you the subject mm-hmm. of your reality mm-hmm. And that is the voice of Dr. Dorothea Duval. She's the director of San Francisco, um, what do we call it, the Psychological Center? I have to no, call San Francisco. Director of the Counseling, Counseling and Psychological, and Psychological Services, Services Center. At right. San Francisco State. And we are also joined in the studio. And she's sitting quietly. We're going to get to her in a second with Colette Winlock. <laughs> but we wanted to start with Dr. D- uh, with Dorothea because we're talking about institutional racism, into, into, in, um, institutional barriers to mental health, uh, 
And so we wanted to first talk about the services that you provide at the university, and then we're going to oh, jump okay. to the com, com, uh, community. Mm-hmm. But um, let's just talk about, do you see um, the mental health issues at the, that the students present to you, how they directly relate to, relate to traumatic, um, post-traumatic slave syndrome? Well, I think I see that more in my private practice Okay, mm-hmm. um, because I work with a diverse group of African-Americans in my private practice. Um, but um, I think all of our trauma, I mean, I think we all experience trauma in this culture, culture collectively as a group. And we all know about the historical trauma. So we experience the historical trauma and we've all learned coping skills from our families on how to deal with historical trauma. And some of them uh, obsolete for today then we're still operating from those patterns, and so that can be an issue. But, you know, we've all learned that. So I think um, the students a um, lot more removed. So I think they experience the historical trauma, but they don't necessarily know why they experience because most of the students that are in school today are the first generation of African Americans who did not grow up under Jim Crow laws. Mm-hmm. So they grew up under a different kind of a different kind of reality, more subtle, more clandestine, more down low. Mm-hmm. I call it racism on the down low. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times they uh, are st- have stress around identity and around self-esteem and about worthiness that comes from institutional racism, but they don't realize that's where it comes from Mm -hmm. because, like I said, it's racism on the down low. And whereas before a certain age group and older, you had overt Jim Crow laws that prevented you from doing things. So you could defend against that Mm -hmm. but oftentimes parents and wanting to raise their children in healthy kinds of ways don't tell them about what they might encounter Mm -hmm. in the world around subtle and not so subtle racism and and they don't know how to defend against it so once they learn how to defend against it then that can help them with their own sense of self-esteem and help them with their um, identity and can help stressful but but you know yeah our students suffer from stress but you know there is a sense of stigma around seeking mental health services in the african-american community Mm -hmm. and other communities of color and it's not without reason it's because up until 1968, there weren't really a whole lot of black psychologists nope, and weren't. therapists and psychiatrists. And there's still not that many. But there's more than there was, yeah. you know, and in the world. And and by not having them, black people often were misdiagnosed and they were mistreated by people who didn't understand their culture, didn't understand their pain, and didn't understand their reality. So just like they were experimented in what people all know about the Tuskegee experiments and other experiments, mental health had a had the same kind of reality and african americans were more heavily diagnosed you know when people were suffering from depression they were diagnosed as schizophrenic mm, yeah. you know and they were giving very strong medication mm. so there is a stigma and there's a fear in the african american community about going to 
therapy when one needs therapy so oftentimes when we finally do get to therapy we're much farther down the road in um in our condition mm. and it takes a little bit longer to you know to reverse that process and deal with the condition and then you learn from your parents, right? Mm -hmm. So it takes African-American students a little bit longer to come to the Counseling and Psychological Services mm -hmm. Center mm -hmm. because that stigma is historical mm -hmm. yes, and it's absolutely. in our families. Wouldn't you say so, Colette? No, I definitely agree. You know, mm -hmm. so that that is that is an issue in our community. Mm -hmm. So I, this show is so wonderful because I know a lot of young people listen to it. And so they need to know that there are... African-American psychologists out there that and therapists, family therapists and counselors out there that could be very helpful. And there are also African-American professors who are teaching other people. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. cultural sensitivity is central now to two counseling programs, two psychology programs, so that people are are having to develop a sense of cultural competency in order to work in diverse communities. So that's also available, becoming more available. Yeah. Okay, so that was the voice of uh, Dr. Dorithia Duval. Right, we're going to have a, a short music break at this time. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk with Colette Winlock. And we're going to talk more about um, what we can do to help heal the community and what steps can we take um, to help bring people to services that they need. And we're going to hear more about Colette Winlock's work and about her book, yes. Undoing okay. Crazy. So, so stay tuned. Yeah, uh, I just want to ask if... Uh, if, uh, Debrita, you can give out your inf your contact information. Oh, we could do that at the end of the show. You want to do it now? Um, do we have time? Okay, go yeah. ahead. You want to give out contact it? for people? Okay, so... Um I'm here as a private therapist, okay. <laughs> so, so I will give out my therapy information. I have an office in Oakland. It's by the lake, and my office number is 510-845-5311. Okay. All right. Can you repeat that one more time? 510-845-5311. Okay. Thank All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and um, have further conversations with our two guests, and we're going to speak specifically with Colette Winlock and find out about the work she's doing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo in so much space.
Welcome back to Full Circle. If you just tuned in, you're listening to to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. Produced by members of the First Voice Media Apprenticeship Program. The music you just heard was Crazy by Niles Barkley. <laughs> um, and we're your hosts, Joy Moore. And I'm Zakia G.E.K. Park. And we've been talking about mental health, particularly mental health in the African-American community. And our guest tonight, Sterling Guest, uh, Dr. Dorethea Duval. And we've also been joined by Colette Winlock. And we've heard from Dr. Du- du- um Dr. Duval or Dorethea, as I've been given permission to call her. I've been knowing this woman for 20 years, but it's okay. We're on the radio. Uh, And so I want to um, turn to Colette because we started with the institution of San Francisco State and the services that they provide students and the fact that students are coming to this venerable institution. And we wanted to uh, contrast that with community efforts, community issues, people who are out in the street who don't have access to uh, institutional services and stuff. So we've co- brought in Colette Winlock, and she is the executive director of an Oakland-based mental health organization that promotes wellness and recovery. She is known throughout the Bay Area as one of the founders of the Critical Mass Health Conductors and the Be Still Retreat, both successful initiatives in African-American communities. And she's author of the book Undoing Crazy. <laughs> yeah, so Colette has... Uh, Colette Wenlock has over 30 years of community activism in the Bay Area and holds a master's degree in cultural anthropology and social transformation. She is induced. Inducted. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) She is inducted into the Cal State University uh, Hayward East Bay. Sports Hall of Fame and the uh, Alameda County Women's Hall of Fame. So I would like to welcome you, Colette Wenlock, and thank you for joining us today on Full Circle. Oh, thank you, thank you. Actually, thank you. It's been it's been interesting sitting here and listening listening to my friend Dr. Duval speak. Um, well, she and I have this routine of walking around the lake constantly, and we work it all out. Oh, as I hear we go you. around the lake. Yeah, okay. I used to have that honor too. We had a, a group going around the lake uh, for about a year, and right. now it's just the two of you. So I, I'm going to have to come out and join you. Okay, <laughs> again. Be great. Wow, Dorita, you've been getting around. Because we went, we went to Africa together. Right. I did hear that. Yeah, we went to South Africa to the United Nations Con- Conference Against Racism, right. which had a mental health component to that. It, did. Uh, it was very interesting, international mental health. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to begin with uh, find out a little bit more about Colette's work in the community-based organization. Tell us about... Um, particularly I'm interested in the health conductors. Uh, well, tell me what, you, what's, what you're doing, what's going on. Well, um, there's a number of health conductors I know that are out there. I'm actually critical mass health conductor number okay. 10. Wow. But back in 2050. Number 50, okay. Wow. Uh-huh. Health conductors out there, give us a shout out, call okay. in. But I would say it was back in 2009 when the um, Bay Area Black United Fund started the critical mass health conductors. And it really started because we knew we had to take control of what our culture of health had become. Mm-hmm. And we had become a culture of a health that really wasn't supporting us in in healing and it wasn't supporting Uh ourselves in really grabbing a hold and being empowered with how we felt 
And you know, Joy, I had a I had a reaction when you first started the show when you talked about um, the the homeless people, mm-hmm. and in terms of us seeing homeless and seeing other people with substance abuse and whatnot as having mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And you're correct with that, but the the problem that I see with that is that many of us who are experiencing mild to moderate mental illness, Mm -hmm. mild to moderate mental health challenges, Mm -hmm. don't see ourselves as having a mental health issue Mm -hmm. because we only see it as a person in the street. Mm -hmm. It's only the sister walking down the sidewalk talking to herself. Mm -hmm. But it's not me sitting at my computer and I cannot, you know, deal with the feelings that I'm having. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the first things I know Dr. Duvall will agree too, that we've got to re- look reframe what this what this is that's mm. happening to us and it's very important that we do look at what's happening to us because yep. um a mild symptom of depression mm-hmm. if not addressed can turn into a moderate symptom of depression. Yes. And if not addressed, can turn into a chronic yes. symptom um, um, of depression. Right. And why that's important for us as a people is because, you know, mama gets depressed. Fathers get depressed, sisters, uncles, you know, this family network that we're going to need right now in order to, to strengthen ourselves mm-hmm. to, to, because of the onslaught that's coming at African Americans. We need to take a hold of our mental health, not only as a... Um, Individual, but yes. as a community. Right. Yes. And I don't mm. thank you for saying Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I come from a... Um, I used to belong to a group called Sasha, and it was a self-affirming, soul-healing Africans. Oh, wow. And... Uh, <laughs> we met for about 10 years and uh, once a month, and we were looking at how, men- how mental health was being impacted mm-hmm. within the community. And I had one, um, one gentleman, his name is Wazir Peacock. He was a founder of SNCC. Mm-hmm. I should say one of the founding members. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, I was kind of young back then. I'm kind of mm-hmm. cocky, and we can do this, and we can do that. And, and so Wazir kind of pulled me to the side, and he said, Colette, if you want to be revolutionary, get healthy Mm. and I was kind of like wow and that's it he said revolutionary act yeah it's revolutionary Mm -hmm. to get healthy and so Mm -hmm. that was a message that I got maybe some 20 years ago Mm -hmm. and so I've been really trying to you know carry myself in a revolutionary way because a healthy black person a healthy black person not only you know in our physical body but within our mental um, capacity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We dangerous. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is a yeah. revolutionary. Oh, absolutely. No, it's interesting that you brought that up because um, Zaki and I were doing a lot of research on this issue, and one of the, several things struck us. But one of them was that um, in when we talk about depression, according to this um, study that was done, sixty-three percent of African Americans believe that depression is a personal weakness. <laughs> It's not something mm. help that needs to be helped or mm-hmm. or a health issue, mm. and also um, uh, the the site said that thirty one percent of African Americans believe that uh, don't believe. I'm, I'm sorry, sixty nine percent of African Americans believe that depression was not a health problem. Well, I remember only thirty one percent said, "Yeah, depression is a health problem." But the rest of them was like, "It's not a big deal because <laughs> we've coped with it." I guess. Hmm. Well, I was sitting out in the hallway waiting for your show, and I was act- asking Dorothea, like, "What causes depression? What is uh, depression?" Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to ask you again, "What what is it that causes uh, depression?" Yeah, really well, there's good different kinds, right? Huh? There are different kinds of depression, aren't well, there? Well, what causes depression are 
any kind, uh, lots of different things. I think it, what causes depression is uh, disappointment. You know, um, loss can cause depression. Uh, failure can cause depression. Um, um, you, you know, anything. You can go to your job. It, it's. I think depression is how people refer, how people interpret and take on a a loss a a, a failure a a, a slight um mm. uh, you know trauma causes mm-hmm. depression mm-hmm. as a community we experience a lot of trauma it can also come from not having the ability to express your anger mm-hmm. or not, Very not, much not having so. the ability yeah. to express your voice and, right. and oftentimes what affects us out as we go about doing our lives is we don't have the opportunity to express I don't like mm-hmm. the way you treated me right, right there right. because you've got to mitigate okay am I going to work is this going to have my boss what's going to happen are they going to mess up my car mm-hmm. you know so you've got often Oftentimes you find yourself swallowing a lot. Right. And so, being invisible in this society right. too. Yeah. So then I'm depression. wondering, so is depression, is that normal for us? Is it normal for us or just normal for us in this society? I, I think depression again, I, I think we when we say us, I think we want to look at depression is a human condition. Okay. Thank you. So mm-hmm. African Americans are human. Mm-hmm. They get That's depression, right. but everybody gets depression. It's not it's not germane to African Americans. Mm-hmm. We have different experiences on why we get depression. Mm-hmm. Like you said, being invisible in this society. But we're not invisible. We uh, And what can create depression out of that is the fact that we are hyper-visible and we're invisible. At the same mm-hmm. time. So at the That's same right. time, you're right. hyper-visible and, and you're invisible. Exactly. Exactly. That that conundrum or that conflict can cause depression the the fact that you um trauma in childhood can cause depression there any kind of any human experience can cause depression it's how you integrate and interpret the experience and and it's also the um the word I'm looking for. It's also the strengths that you have. Okay. How how you how much you are nurtured in the world, and we can be nurtured in our homes. I mean, African American families protect their children, and the reason why they protect their children growing up is because when they get into the world, they know they're not going to be loved and protected. Right. So if you're if you're in an, a healthy African-American family, you're loved, you're protected, and you're cared for, and that gives you the strengths to go out in the world and to deal with a world that's hostile and alien to you. But oftentimes, because of the situations, the economic, social, and political uh, situations that we live in and the in because it's the interaction of the interest, the inner life with the outer life. Ah. So you're not always, don't always get that protection. So if you're not, don't get that kind of love and protection and um, strength, then when you go out in the world, you're vulnerable. Mm. You're mm-hmm. vulnerable. And depression can come from that sense of vulnerability. It's the coping skills that one learns growing up or doesn't learn growing up that could make you vulnerable and not vulnerable to depression. But as I said, we 
want to say that all African Americans can be susceptible to depression. Mm. So it's as all it's, people can. Yes, as yeah. all people can. So right. we don't want right. to put it on an economic right, and right. social. And I think Colette's point mm-hmm. is so so germane because we do think that we see people who have acute mental illness who aren't able to take care of themselves, and we can thank Ronald Reagan for that. Yeah, and aren't able to take care of themselves are uh, as having mental illness and you not looking at the fact where you go to work every day and you perform your job and you go home and that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. Or you're eating three quarts of ice cream a night and not eating vegetables and not eating well because food is a comfort for you and you you need ways to nurture yourself because you... Uh, depressed right. and you don't know how or the anxiety of when you're functioning very well but you don't feel like you deserve all the success that you have that's a form of depression right. when you don't feel that you deserve the successes that you work so hard for and that you or when you don't know how to care for yourself okay mm-hmm. you know so, so I, we want to talk about her book. Yeah, but we only have a few minutes left. And so, undoing crazy. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, tell Couldn't us about wait. your book, Colette. And get a little closer to that mic. Well, you know, <laughs> circling back to uh, what you asked about the critical mass health conductors. I mean, I was in the position of uh, pretty much being the coordinator for all of this barrier wide activity, and we were working and and moving thousands of people and changing this culture of health. And I looked up, and I became unhealthy. Mm, okay, and yeah. and I and I I'm not ashamed to say that because I think that's important for us to know. I became unhealthy because I was working too much. I was stressing out on trying and all the details mm-hmm. and you know trying to manage all the personalities. And so I realized that I that I needed to take a break. Mm-hmm. And so I went on sabbatical. I call it my working sabbatical. And I worked at Trader Joe's <laughs> over there at um, over on Lakeshore. And yeah. that's when I began to write my book, Undoing Crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm excited about the book. It does talk about the intersection of depression and oppression. It's set here in Oakland. It's got a lot of Oakland flavor. It's uh, about a family growing up in uh, West Oakland. Um, and I have to tell you, I wrote myself back to sanity. Mm. Oh, beautiful. I did. Because wow. one of the things yeah. I wanted in Undoing Crazy is to be able to show emotions. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things for us as black folks, we either get to be mad, we get to be glad, or we get to be sad. Mm-hmm. Or got, sexy. Uh, or sexy. But mm-hmm. So we only got, what, four emotions yeah. that we can express. Mm-hmm. When there's a hundred mm-hmm. types of emotions. So I, I purposely wrote a book where when somebody told me, oh, it may Maybe cry, or oh, it had me thinking this, or oh, I was feeling that. Then I'm like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we need. And, and as a mental health professional, I think the book is wonderful. It is one of the ways that people, as we're talking about healing, mm-hmm. we can learn a lot from fiction mm-hmm. and and stories. And mm-hmm. we are story people, and oh, stories are, are very, are very healing and helpful for us. So I just want to say, my sister, really, not only put um uh, uh put work into the literary field she also put out uh, a work that would that one can use in the psychological field mm-hmm. yeah, thank you and one last thing we did we also mentioned i just want to hear briefly a little bit about the be still retreat what was that about did that please tell me it has something to do with meditation oh, it, it truly yes. does <laughs> <laughs> Meditation is the panacea. Everybody should you do it. Then to be still, Richard. No, oh, gotta goodness. go. Be still. Mm. In fact, we are celebrating our tenth year. Wow. And, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's quite an accomplishment because it's a community-based driven accomplishment. And Be Still actually teaches self-care and meditation Mm. to African-American communities. Right, excellent. And and so there's um, Dr. Frank Staggers, um, Malik Atkins, who Mm. teaches Soul Chi, which is kind of a, if you can imagine Tai Chi to uh, James Brown. (laughs) It's wonderful. Okay. (laughs) And and it's very much community-focused, and and it speaks to our culture. All right. And there's food. Healthy oh, food. Yeah. Every time we go. We got to mention food. <laughs> food goes a long way to, to uh, curing depression. Can I tell you? Good Healthy food. Good food. Healthy food. Healthy food. Healthy food. Right. Good food. Right. Goes Greens, beans, and squash. <laughs> and there's massage therapists. Yes, there's great therapists. Yes. Aroma. And one of the things that I have to, I want to mention is that people come and they're so surprised that black people are doing Reiki. Black yeah. people are teaching aromatherapy. Black mm. people are doing all of these various holistic practices yeah gardening yeah gardening (laughs) right right exactly you know and so um it happens once a quarter actually the next one is scheduled for uh june 25th okay and uh we're looking forward to it right all right we're going to get your contact info right Mm -hmm. now too if you want to give it out you don't have to (laughs) well how about how where they can get the book How's that? Well, you can go to Marcus Bookstore okay. and ask Blanche to order. <laughs> I'm doing crazy for you. I will say it is available on this big, huge commercial site. I'm well, not going to say mention. where it is. But go to Marcus and ask Blanche to order Undoing Crazy for you. <laughs> All right. That is the voice of Colette Winlock. And we've also been speaking with Dr. Dorothea Duval. And we are going to give out the phone number for call-ins. Um, if you want to join the conversation we have questions, um, you can call us at 510-848-4425. Again, or, that number. Or okay. toll-free, 1-800-958-9008. Or, again. Or you can call 510-848-4425. Or 800-958-9008. 9008. We want to hear any questions or thoughts you have, but Dorothea wants to say one more yeah, thing. Yeah, I just wanted to say when you talking about healing and the trauma, you know, um, there's been a, as everyone knows, what's going on in the African American community with police murders of yes. young African American men and Black Lives Matter. So for the past six months, I have been doing a group for families whose family members have been murdered by police violence Mm -hmm. and it meets the first saturday of every month from three to five at the baha'i center which is on 35th avenue okay and um unfortunately i don't have the the address but it's on 35th avenue at east 14th and it's the baha'i center the group is free Okay. And as I said, it meets once a month on the first Saturday of every month from 3 to 5. And, you know, as we talked about trauma, that is the most traumatic trauma that one can have is to lose a family member suddenly and have a family member murdered by 
by police by, by murder by anybody, but right. certainly um, murdered by the police. Yeah, yeah especially be, when they're supposed to be there for our protection. Yeah, and we paying right. we paying them yeah. with our yeah. tax dollars, man. That's a, so, so oh, it's, so it's more than to, But let so me back the number the, one more time. So I uh-huh. just wanted to let people know that that group is available. Um, okay. and, it, and it's free of charge. And I want to give Dr. Dorothy his number again for okay. those of you that would like to call uh, her at five one zero eight four eight. 5311 again 510-845-5311 okay i don't want y'all to get confused now <laughs> we're trying to get you to call in <laughs> so we're in here we're talking about uh, mental health particularly in the african-american community and this is community radio and it's all about you our listeners and we want you to join in the conversation i know this this women have great followings out there i know you know a lot of people um you can call us at 510-848 4425 or 1-800-958-9008. Any questions, insights, ideas, solutions, how we can go about this? I just wanted to point it out. The one thing that we didn't mention um, in our discussion about barriers to um, getting care is if your situation is one of second-class status in this country and the dominant culture is European, it's very difficult to go to a European therapist and say that. And so I think Dorothea's um, remark that we are getting more and more people of color who are qualified in, in this field and doing this work, then, then the better the issue will be for us. We'll have more places to go. We'll be There'll be less... Um, resistance to it, if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. We've mm-hmm. got to begin to start creating those safe spaces right. where people mm-hmm. can bring their hurts, bring their pains. There's a number of community-based uh, groups as well. There's another one called Sacred Space. Oh, that's right. It meets right. on the third Thursday of every month, mm. and it was started by uh, Lola Hanif. Okay. But that's a, that's a really good place to, where women can come, can bring their hurts, as well as their joy. See, that's mm-hmm. the other thing about talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. It's not always just about the pain, but how, as Dorethea was saying, how can you also celebrate yourself mm-hmm. and have people also validate you? Yes, mm-hmm. and support you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very beautifully put. And obviously we do have mental health because we have survived for 339 years of institutional racism and 150 years of Jim Crow. So we're here. Right. So that we I have know. to say something yes, that, uh, about the yes. resilience yes. of African Americans yes. and African American culture. So I think yes, there is pain and there is hurt and a lot. And I'm not trying to minimize it, but we are very resilient people, we and are. we need to we need to celebrate that. That's we right. need to rebear that, I and agree. that's because of our culture, our art, and our music, and our culture, and our love for each other. Yes. All right. So we have Mike. Uh, from San Francisco on the line. Go ahead, Mike, with your question or comment. Hi, Mike. Can you hear us? It's Mark. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, Mark. Mark. No wonder he's not <laughs> answering to somebody else's sorry name. Sorry about that, Mark. I'm Mark in San Francisco. Welcome to Full Circle. Thank you so much. Um, I'm enjoying the conversation. Um, I'm European-American or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. One of the lucky ones to be raised in a way to be progressive and aware of the dominant culture superiority problem we've had for so many generations. And I'm struggling with how to do something to be of service to people without calling myself out or being someone who 
It's unwelcome. Do you have any hints about how I can contribute my energies to the healing process in a way that's received, you know, well? Yes, I do. This is I'd Dorita. love to hear it. Yeah, well, one thing, um, the fact that you said that makes you an ally yes. for the African-American and other communities. And I think you are the best person to talk to your community. A, the conversation that white people have with other white people about institutional racism is a much less threatening conversation than the conversation African-Americans or other people of color would have about institutional racism. So there is this author, Tim Weiss, and he just wrote a book about that on how white people can be allies in their own communities for people of color. And and that is so valuable because until we're all standing up and talking about Black Lives Matter, then it's just a convers it's it's a contentious conversation. But but the own but you can have that conversation with your relatives, with your friends, within your community, and it probably would be heard in a different context than what I would have to say. And I would like to make a suggestion, even though I'm not a professional, <laughs> this is Joy. I think, um, as Dorothea mentioned, a lot of what goes on uh, for or, or negatively happens among and between European Americans. And that's where you have the greatest influence with the people that you know, where, where you work and you live, how you feel you should share with them. Mm -hmm. uh, what you said to us about wanting to mm -hmm. um, make a uh, positive impact or being an ally, when someone uses foul language or talks derogatorily oh, about or, uh, uh, or stereotypically mm -hmm. about people, you should be the one to say, you know, hey, that's not right. That's not how it should be. I don't agree with that or find some kind way and don't put yourself in danger people are going to beat you up or whatever but find a kind way to express what you just said to us how you feel about it so we have another caller thank you so much mark for calling and yes. sharing that thank, thank you, you mark. mark and uh we have our second caller uh jamila uh in oakland welcome to full circle jamila what is your question thank or comment yes thank you and i appreciate this conversation so much um I'm a teacher in East Oakland and um, in a school that is really high impacted by poverty and, and you can see the trauma and stress on the families that come in and the children that come in on a daily basis. And I often wish that there were more folks of color, more African-American mental health providers who would come into our schools and, and help them and mostly the help that schools can provide are for children. But... Um, I wish that we had more, like what well, you're talking about, the healing circle and the meditation for the families who come in and, and there was a space for, for mothers to just cry, to let stress mm -hmm. out, to be, to be able to create community among themselves and love themselves and for them to love their children because they are they're under so much stress that they really don't have enough to be a, to be a parent. Mm -hmm. And you know, to be like hard. Jamila, this is Colette. I, I definitely appreciate w what you're saying about the need to have more um, people of color, particularly African Americans, come into schools. And I want to say to you that there are a number of resources out there. I'm going to give my phone number, my work number. It's 510 834 
1-800-273-5990. And so part of it is finding that champion that's on that school campus that's willing to, to take that next step to work with the, the resources that are out there in the community. It's very hard for a community group just to come to a school and say, I'm here, I want to serve. When you have someone that works in the school district, on the school campus, that is reaching out and acting as a champion, a facilitator, it's much more easier to get those folks in. So, so I do want to say that a number of resources are there and that we can create some way for these uh, folks to come help out. And again, that number is 510-834-5990 and collect and help you find some of those resources. Thank you for that call, Jamila. Let's go to another one. Val from Oakland. Welcome to Full Circle. Hello, Val. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you now. All right, good. And we know who you are. Uh, yes, I know. Yeah, I know the voice. Hi, Val. This Hi, is Val. Zakia. Okay, let's not expose our caller. Let him be anonymous for a second. Thanks, Val. What, what did you want to share with us? Yeah, give thanks and praise. You know, I, I really bow to the retail and collect for the phenomenal work that they do, and yeah. also for both of you as moderators to do this program and yes. to have KPFA. Right? But um, well, part of the the thing too is just what somebody just said and what call call it reinforced especially working in the schools and to get to our younger people. For myself, as you know, um, as they say, one of the cultural exponents here, doing that, and most of the time there's no funding, and if you want to even go to do it without the funding, it's a, it's a problem, you know? Mm. But um, I have to thank Colin for um, having me join with the, the walk around the lake celebration, which is so important. Mm. But the fundamental thing is that the music, and dance components in the retreat, smoke about the dance, is so very important. I mean, vitally important. And for African people, having been deprived of, you know, cultural traditions for so many years, hundreds, it's very important to get that component because with the drumming and dance, all new endings pass closer at the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. And your nerves are what have conduct the messages to the mm-hmm. brain. So it's fully healing to have our youth and everybody else involved in that as people have now been coming to realize the music listening to the music is good uh, but playing an instrument really fuses all parts of the brain Mm, so when you're talking about mental health Mm -hmm. this is a vitally important thing but as Mm -hmm. i mentioned to colin a few years ago i need some resources to get doing some of this work. <laughs> I understand. I do understand. And thank you for bringing that up because it's yes. it's more than just talk therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's body, mind, and spirit. And I think that's what the, the last caller was really you know, emphasizing. And, I th- and Val is one of those healers and that heals through culture in our community. And there was a reason why music and art was taken was the first thing that was taken out of the school if you look back how african-american students excelled Mm -hmm. was through music through art through sports and that has a lot to do with the feet a lot to do with the energy coming up a lot to do with being um (laughs) you know we are an experiential people 
Right. We're ki- kinesthetic people, right. and exactly. we learn through doing and through being involved and through connection. We're right. relational people. You know, the construct of the African construct is I am because you are, right. and because you are, therefore right. I am. Right. So in community, through music and through sports and through those things, is how we thrived as one of the ways in which we thrived and survived. And with that being taken out of the school, it's no wonder there's so much anger and frustration and that is going on with African-American and other Mm -hmm. students of color because that was, that was our, um, Right. Touchstone. Right. They yes. let they'll let us do sports, man. We can be entertaining <laughs> on the sports side. But let's see if we can get one more call yeah. in. Mm-hmm. So uh Marsha from Oakland, thank you. And, and thank welcome. you, Val. Yeah, thank you, Val. Um welcome to Full Circle, Marsha. Are you there? Yes, I am here. Yes, this is Marsha from the Altenheim, in fact. Yes, and, uh, I know you, Marsha. Hi, uh, Gwen, or hi, Zakia. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd just like to give a, uh, a hello to uh, Dr. Dorothea du- uh, Duval. Uh, I'm calling because um, I have a couple of things that I want to share with you. Great. One would be that um, the Wright Institute in uh, Berkeley, Durant yeah. Avenue, my daughter is a Ph.D. professor there, uh-huh. and... Uh, um, she is a uh, doctor of multicultural studies and na- and narrative therapy, and she does therapy. And I, I would like to say that the Wright Institute has a very, very good clinic, from what I understand, mm-hmm. for uh, students and uh, people of color and young people of, you know, of all uh, ethnicities. And it's affordable. And it's affordable. Yeah. Exactly. Great for so, that resource. Um, and your daughter was my dissertation chair. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So then if I may just yeah. leave the um, telephone number for the right instance. Absolutely. Okay. And so that number is 510-841-9230. Okay. Well, thank, thank you. you. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, I, think yeah. th- I think their services are, what, 5 or $10 for therapy? I don't want to say. I'm not sure. But, but it, it, it's very affordable, and you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, sliding C scale and all. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, bit okay. of information that I want to leave with you mm-hmm. is that there's a population of people that I haven't quite heard, heard, you, heard you mention, um, and they're very, very neglected. And they would be the, um, the dual diagnose and the dual diagnose side of things where we have the developmentally delayed mm. and there's a member of my family who um just we uh, we as a fa- have worked so hard to try to get services for for this uh, young man who is autistic and um schizophrenic mm-hmm. and so pulling those two things together and trying to get services um you know in the uh, in a holistic or to be treated, to be giving the correct treatment has just been about, about, you know, impossible because of the policies of the government, what Ronald Reagan did, so forth and so on, and just a breakdown. And it's just heartbreaking and um, it's more than discouraging. Thank you so much, Marsha. We really appreciate you staying and hanging in there and sharing that information about the Wright Institute. And we will talk at another time more about the dual diagnosis because we run out of time. But I just want to thank you ladies both for coming. I want to thank our audience for for people for calling in. I want to thank Zakia for including me in this show. 
Yes, thank you, Joy, for, for being on the show. I am so appreciative. And thanks to all the callers for calling in tonight. I think uh, our uh, callers were... <laughs> yes, uh, we had Mark, Jamila, Val, and Marsha. Thank you all for your input. And um, for a few announcements, we have Cousin Zyka Writers Group is hosting an open mic at uh, Coffee with the Beat at 4 58 Perkins Street off of Grand in Oakland on Saturday. That's tomorrow, the 19th, from 1 to 4 p.m. Um, the apprenticeship program is currently outreaching for the next group of apprentices. If you feel you want to get on the other side of the mic, uh, get an application from our website. Our deadline has been extended, so you can um, get the application from kpfaapprentice.org. Uh, I'd you. like to say that Thank Go you. ahead, Joy. Thank you, Dr. Duval <laughs> and Colette Winlock for being our guests on Full Circle tonight. Our executive producer is Mickey Mays. Our technical director is Free Will and Franklin Sterling. I am Joy Moore, our production and, consultant. And I am Zakia G.E.K. Park. And I want to thank to Vika Aronson for operating the board. And uh, our applications to all of you joining us tonight, our appreciations for all of you joining us tonight. And please do go to our website and get an application. Be on the radio. Join <laughs> us at KPFA and do what Zakia does. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of fun. A lot of information. Uh, stay, stay tuned. tuned. La Unda Baita is next. Uh-huh.